Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. This week, I'm speaking with Rick Raymaker, a FFPC main event and Football Guys Players Championship League champion many times over and a high stakes player who sits in 21st in this year's FPC and 85th overall in this year's FFPC main event. His total career winnings total well over $60,000. In this episode, we break down Rick's preference in Titans wideouts, how he structured his championship round rosters, as well as the changing backfields in Washington and Pittsburgh, and much more. Before we get into the show, I do want to remind everyone that you can get a listener's only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel as well. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month according to Comscore, total visits. So, it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. All one word, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, without further ado, here is $60,000 high stakes fantasy football winner in the FFPC, Rick Raymaker. We are ushering in the FFPC main event and Football Guys Players Championship championship rounds. 
uh, in week 14 here. And who better to do it than the, I believe, the fifth place overall finisher in 2017 in the FPC and a guy who's won by my count, and maybe I've lost track, but at least a half dozen main event and football guys league titles. It's Rick Raymaker. Rick, thank you so much for hopping back on the show with me this week. Great. Glad to be here. Appreciate it, Eric. It's uh, it's funny because whenever we we do these shows with with past you know or current FFPC high stakes players, um, oftentimes we we schedule them for Monday or Tuesday because Wednesday is a big waiver wire night. But as you and I were just talking about, waivers are closed for the season, and I don't know about you, but I, I was I think I was in uh, the better part of two dozen leagues this year, and all but two of them have waivers closed for the year, and they they normally always process on Wednesday evening. I am loving life having my Wednesdays back. How about you? Yeah, all the same, man. Tuesdays and Wednesdays, for that matter. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's nice having a little bit less stress during the week, that's for sure. Chris Vincent uh, came on this program a couple of weeks ago and was talking about, you know, how he's learned his lesson with COVID. And he's, he said, you know, I used to, I was at the first part of the season, I was doing waivers two or three times a week, you know, getting my bids in. But because, you know, injuries or COVID stuff changed it. He learned his lesson and he was waiting as late as possible to do his leagues. And that's sort of how I was too, you know, just wait till the last minutes. You only have to do it once, but thankfully that's all behind us. We can move forward to the championship rounds, which I know we're all excited about here to see who's going to bring home those two half million dollar grand prizes. You have a couple of teams in contention in both competitions right now. And I want to talk about your football guys players championship team that currently sits in 21st place right now. Uh, after what we saw on Monday night uh, with with um, uh, Zach Moss fumbling early and then really Devin Singletary took hold of that backfield uh, afterwards, do you think he's won that job back and, and might sneak into some of your championship round lineups? Or do you think it's still too dicey to count on 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 him going forward as as a flex or as a number two running back? Yeah, before I, before I uh, jump in on that uh, uh, Buffalo running back situation, I do want to call out that I do – share this uh, 21st place team with my buddy Jeff. So he's happens to be out pheasant hunting out in South Dakota this week. So he, he, he hasn't able to join, but he's been, uh, he's been uh, someone I've been doing the leagues with for the last couple of years and it's, it's been fun. So this is his, his best year as well. So it's been a good year. So, and we had a good year this year, um, but we got beat in the playoff game when we ran into Darren Waller in the uh, championship Ugh. game. So I don't really want to talk about Darren Waller too much, but uh, yeah, <laughs> we put up uh, we put up 157 this week and lost by like 25 or 30. So, but uh. that's that's fantasy, right? Yeah, it is fantasy. There's nothing you do. I always, you know, and, and and too, you talk about the the main event and the football guys contest where. Um, you you know your best record is number one seed number two is most points three is next best record four is is next most points and I and I obviously play in the Kentucky fantasy football state championship which has that similar rules and and I've never I like I don't even look at live scoring I, during the season because all I'm focused on is putting up points because I can't control who my opponent is and then finally week twelve and thirteen that's when I started checking live scoring and you know I I I put I was very fortunate this year where I put up some some good scores and and won titles but in the past you know I've put up 160 or 170 and I lost and it's just like you know that stinks but what can you do that is fantasy and and you just got to tip your hat and move on because all you can do is put up the most points your your team can and and you and you guys did you put up respectable scores and and then you just move on and hope you know bigger and, and better things are ahead in week 16. That, that's right. That's right. That's all you can do. And, and, and it all, it works itself out in the end too, right? I've won weeks when I had no business winning and I've lost weeks when I had no business losing. Right. So it's just the way it works. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so back to those Buffalo running backs. Yeah. So this league was interesting too, because we didn't end up taking a running back until the uh, fifth round. So that uh, kind of puts you behind the eight ball to some degree, but it's kind of the way the, the draft fell to us. Um, so we do have guys like Devin Singletary that are in contention for starting. Um, and, um, you know, it, it, and one call out is, hey, these strategies all work, right? I've had leagues with no running backs in the first five to seven rounds. I've taken running backs in the first three rounds. They can all work. They can all not work. Um, you just kind of got to kind of go with the way the draft works. Um, but with Singletary, you know, Moss has kind of led the team in touches for the last four weeks. And he's averaging about six additional snaps per game. And Singletary really only got the nod after Moss fumbled in the first quarter there. So a little, little shaky going with uh, Singletary. Um, but Singletary's a little bit better on catching the ball. So they are, they are falling behind. 
I could uh, I could see Singletary being a decent play. They, they're running to Pittsburgh this week, so I can't really see playing any uh, Buffalo running backs against Pittsburgh. But when they got Denver and New England, um, definitely could be a good start. He looked okay. He looked okay on Monday night, but def- definitely a little little bit cautious with Singletary. Hey, let's just branch off that uh, a little bit. As long as you bring bring up Pittsburgh, so the the Monday night matinee, as it were, between the the Steelers and the Washington Football Team featured some pretty dormant running games. And part of the reason for Washington was Antonio Gibson went down early. Um, part of the reason for Pittsburgh was they didn't have James Conner. Um, knowing that Washington will probably not have Gibson this week, knowing that Pittsburgh is probably going to get James Conner back, um, would you feel okay with starting Conner after you know his trip to the COVID list and, and now back in the game um, in, in week 14? And would you be looking back at, at J.D. McKissick as maybe a number two running back, knowing how much Alex Smith likes to check down to the running backs and knowing Antonio Gibson, again, probably will not be active, and McKissick should be getting a, a lot of targets this week. How do you feel about Connor and McKissick going into um, going into week uh, 14? And before before you answer that, I'll just tell you right now, just for the listeners too, as, as far as their schedule goes between um, Washington and, and, and Pittsburgh this upcoming week, Excuse me. Um, you're looking at um, Pittsburgh uh, taking on uh, the Bills, as you just mentioned, with Singletary. That is in Buffalo. And then Washington travels across the country to visit the 5-7 and seven San Francisco 49ers. So, Rick, your thoughts on, on Gibson – or, excuse me, on McKissick and Connor. Yeah, so first up on Connor, right? So he's had a little bit of a disappointing season um, for probably a number of reasons, but um, but he's really almost turned into a touchdown-dependent running back, which is um, a little bit of a surprise. I did draft him in a couple leagues, and he's been he's been a little disappointing. Um, he was catching balls in previous seasons, not catching a ton this year, and really turned into it in a little bit of a touchdown-dependent. And then obviously the Roethlisberger is uh, throwing the ball a lot more than than we've seen in the past too. So um, with with Connor's medical history with the COVID, um, I think I would be a little cautious about playing Connor. Um, you may not have a choice. He may be clearly your best option, and you know, I wouldn't blame you for starting him against Buffalo, whose defense can be a little bit shaky. But um, but uh, I'd be a little nervous on Connor. On, on the flip side, I mean, McKissick looked great, right? I mean, he caught, what, 10 balls, I think, on on Monday night after after Gibson went out. And we do have Gibson on our on our team, that's uh, that we we just were talking about. That's that's in the that's doing well in the football guys league. So that was a big hit to lose him. Unfortunately, I don't have a, a, a McKissick behind him, but I, I would definitely feel comfortable starting McKissick. Yeah, McKissick um, ended up getting um, in that in that Pittsburgh game. He got um, uh, five carries for eight yards, which you know you you know you're not going to get anything with him there. But as you said, Rick, you're you're looking at ten carries for seventy yards, uh, or ten catches, excuse me, for seventy yards. So certainly McKissick looks like he's back to McKissick type things, and and uh, he would certainly make for a pretty good start in Week 14. I'm with you on that. Um, okay, so talking about this football guys team, you have Travis Kelsey. He was your first round pick. Uh, he's obviously been the tight end to own this year. What I am curious about is knowing that waivers are closed for the remainder of the season. Not only do you have Kelsey as your number one tight end who won't face a bye in 14, 15, 16, but you also rostered Eric Ebron. You also rostered Jordan Reed, and you have Dalton Schultz on this team. And I understand all three of those have had, uh, all three of those players have had good degrees of, of um, productivity. But um, why did you decide to roster all three of them knowing the, you know, the, the tight benches and knowing you won't be able to change out players? For the remainder of the three uh, the three weeks of the season, when you already had Kelsey, yeah, yeah, great question. Um, it's been that's a, a, a good debated topic for for uh, me and me and Jeff. Um, so so first up, I'll say Kelsey's just been an absolute stud. So I'm, I just need to give him uh, some kudos here on this fantasy uh, podcast. I'm sure he'll be listening. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, he's a big Travis Kelsey loves the road of his high stakes loadout. Can't get enough. <laughs> I mean, how could he not? Right. <laughs> And if he's not the fantasy MVP, I don't know who is. Maybe James Robinson might be the fantasy MVP if he's not. But anyway, yeah. um, Kelsey's just a stud. But if you look at our roster, right, our running backs are pretty weak, as we talked about already. Um, so we've we've only carrying five running backs, and and, we, and we're not very deep. So basically, have two flex positions then to fill from either the wide receiver or the tight end spot. And obviously, the people 
with this league's format, you get one and a half points per catch in the tight ends. And that kind of balances the scale a little bit between um, wide receivers and tight ends. So, so I've, we've always um, had a little bit of a bias towards the tight ends that are a little bit easier to find on the, on the waiver wire and, um, and can fill that flex two spot. I mean, you get four catches for 44 yards, right? You're at least up to like 10 and a half points already. So that's kind of the way we thought about it. And, you know, Kelsey's the number one tight end. Ebron's uh, number eight. And kind of surprisingly, Dalton Schultz is number 10. So, yeah. Uh, and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed that till I was looking that up. So hard to cut any of the, any of the top 10 uh, tight ends out there. And if you look at their points compared to wide receivers, I don't know where you would think that Ebron and Schultz would land, but they're wide receiver 32 and wide receiver 33 based on points on full season. Wow. And Schultz obviously didn't even play week one. So it makes some pretty solid wide receiver threes. And again, it's a little bit easier to find guys like Schultz on the waiver wire than it is on finding wide receiver threes. So, so that's where we landed. Now, Jordan Reed, uh, we did debate cutting him and kind of picking up a second defense or, or, or another position there to, to pick up the depth. But we, um, we, we like Reed's potential upside, which I know hasn't shown itself yet, but um, we still think he might have a, a pretty good set of games here before the season ends. So not sure he'll make our lineup, but, um, but that's, why, that's why we did what we did. Got it. And, and that makes perfect sense. Now, two quick follow-ups based on how you answered that question. Number one, um, George Kittle, you don't believe he'll be back before week 16 or before week 17, I should say? Yeah, the best I've heard is he's coming back week 16, right? So there's certainly the chance he comes back then. Um, but who knows where San Francisco season will be at that point. So I'm not sure if they're going to need to risk uh, bringing Kittle back at all. But, um, yeah, that will certainly remove Jordan Reed's value if Kittle comes back. Yeah, I mean, it could be a lost season for San Francisco, and there's no sense in jeopardizing one of your main assets going forward for meaningless games, uh, especially if you want to lose those games to move up in the uh, NFL draft. Um, second part or second follow-up I was going to ask you about that. When you talk about picking up tight ends off the waiver wire, obviously when, when you're drafting these 20 round teams, um, you know, the, and in a tight end premium format, they tend, those tight ends tend to get scooped up pretty fast. And a lot of times teams that ignore the position will add a bunch of guys on at the end. Now I understand the whole philosophy of zero RB and being able to pick up running backs that have the opportunity presented to them as the season goes on, or maybe as in the early part of the season, like James Robinson this year is a pretty good example of that. Um, but I, but tight ends, you don't normally, I, I shouldn't say you don't normally, you don't hear this a whole lot that you can pick up tight ends off the waiver wire. As far as you and Jeff go, when you've done these leagues in the past, have you been pretty successful in waiting on tight end and then grabbing a backup to Kelsey or grabbing a starting tight end off the waiver wire the first few weeks of the season? Has this been approached, uh, an approach that you've done, not just this year, but in years past? For the most part, I've done it as a tight end too. Um, I typically try to make sure I get a, a good starting tight end somewhere in the first, say, seven, eight rounds and getting somebody you can feel pretty confident you can start maybe in the first six rounds. You can start week in and week out. But as you look, look to start filling those flex positions, um, yeah, you certainly certainly um, seem to have a few more options with with tight ends than you do some of the other positions a little bit later in the draft for sure. Let's move on and talk about your main event team. Um, you know, 2,000-plus teams in this competition. You and Jeff sit in 85th place uh, in this contest right now. Uh, a guy who had a massive game this weekend – partly because of his talent, partly because of the absence of Will Fuller, was key, key, QT. And I should mention partly because of the talent of his quarterback as well to, to get him the football. So we, we always talk about the guy, the guy to own in weeks 14 through 16. Normally it's it's usually a running back. Um, sometimes it's been other positions like Tyler Higby was the guy to own last year, obviously. Kiki QT, he's got the talent, he's got the quarterback, he's got the opportunity how likely is it that he could be the guy to own in the championship round in 2020, Rick? Yeah, so um, well, so first off, for this for my main event team, I split this with a different guy named Andy. So uh, I just want to make sure he gets the call out here. He's been uh, he's been doing this with me for about about a decade now. So um, um, so that's and he's just recently retired out in Southern California. So he just golfs and plays fantasy all day. He's <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, yeah, so yeah, so yeah, Cote, look, I. I I don't know how to pronounce it. Cote, I feel pretty good about. Um, I love that Houston offense. Um, I love Deshaun Watson. Um, I like all the receivers. We've been pretty high on 
Houston wide receivers across the board this year. Hopkins awesome, but he you know he had you had to invest pretty high to get Hopkins. But Fuller pre suspension was great. Cooks has been pretty solid, so I'm super excited to be able to pick up somebody like Cote this late in the year and um, and pop him into the lineup right. And I was lucky enough to get him for just 32 bucks in the free agent bids. Um, yeah. But at that point, like only four teams could bid, so a little bit of a little bit of, of an advantage there for teams that are that were still in the playoffs to pick up to pick up Cote, and yeah. um, and then now Bill O'Brien being gone, um, I really feel like that uh, that reduces that removes the shackles off that offense a little bit too, and I think they they could have a great run. So I think they play Chicago, Indy, and Cincinnati uh, down the stretch. Indy is of course tough, but um, Chicago and Cincy could be pretty good matchups. Uh, for Kiki and all the receivers. Yeah, and, and it, it too, it's one of those things, like, you, you're right. I mean, Indianapolis is the toughest matchup, be, but it's hard to, like, put a finger on these, like, slot receivers that can still get deep. You know, Kuti has speed, but he's also a pretty good route runner. And and Watson, I think, trusts him and, um, and knows where to find him, whether it's man coverage or zone coverage or, or what have you. So he's kind of a difficult guy for defenses to scheme for, and, and I wonder if that opens things up for fantasy uh, a, a little bit more, too. So time will tell on that. But certainly the, um, the, the stars are aligned for Kuti to, to have a really good end to the 2020 season, no question. Yeah, he was great as a rookie. And then it seemed to get in, into O'Brien's doghouse somehow, right? And they started bringing in Kenny Stills and everybody else. But, boy, he's, he looks just as good as he did when he was flashing as, as a rookie. So I'm pretty excited, pretty excited to see how he ends the season. Yeah, and it's one of those things, like too, like people, you know, kind of pushed him down their draft boards or or whatever because of injuries too. And he's healthy now, you know, and and he's healthy. No Bill O'Brien. This is this is a all the recipes for a very tasty meal. And I, I wish I had Kuti in, in more spots, but unfortunately, we got to make do with what with the uh, with the hands that are dealt to us and what we have going forward. And uh, congratulations on having Kuti. Uh, uh, yeah. on your roster. I'm also interested um, to see about Chad Hansen too. He looked pretty Yes. <laughs> yeah, he came. You know, he, he was so funny because, you know, and, and Rick, do you play any dynasty fantasy football or no? I, I honestly don't know. I don't. I don't. Okay. So Chad Hansen was a guy that, you know, he was like a third round rookie draft pick. From the Jets, when, when right? He came out. Yes. When he, he came out of Cal. The, the Jets. No, um, yeah, it was the Jets. Yeah. And and then they took him and um, and you never heard from him again. Um, he was in, and he bounced around some practice squads and, and, um, moved around and, and, you know, you never really targeted him at all. And then all of a sudden, you know, all, he makes himself known on Houston, uh, th- this, this past week. And, um, and people are like, well, where did this come from? And all the dynasty guys are like, well, we saw this coming out of college it, you know, and, and finally somebody's giving him a chance and, and unlock this potential. We'll see what happens with, with Chad Hansen going forward. But yeah, certainly that came out of the blue and it's always weird when, you know, I, I look at these guys, I analyze these guys. And oftentimes after the rookie draft, I never hear about him again. I never talk about him again. Chad Hansen, good on you, my friend. This is, this is always good to see uh, a player, you know, come out of the doldrums after uh, the NFL draft and, and make some noise. And another player who's doing just that is Philadelphia's own Jalen Hurts who Doug Peterson has made the starter at quarterback in week 14. I don't know, you know, how many Eagles running backs, receivers, tight ends you have on, on your various rosters, Rick. Um, But how, how should this change? If at all, knowing that it's not Carson Wentz tossing the rock to these skill position players, it's going to be Jalen hurts. Yeah. I wouldn't imagine I'd be sitting here on December 9th talking about how Jalen hurts is an upgrade to Carson Wentz. At quarterback, <laughs> but but boy is he ever right. So uh, I, I mean the tape doesn't lie. I mean Wentz, I don't know what happened. I'm a big Carson Wentz guy. I've been rooting for him. I mean he grew up in Minnesota, and that's where I spent some time. I really wanted him to be successful, but boy he is he has lost his way, and they got to do something different. So and Jalen Hurts is fun to watch. So I'm kind of rooting for him as well, and seeing what happens. Um, I don't have a lot of Eagles guys on my rosters. Um, from what I can. What I see, though, I mean, Jalen Rager, Greg Ward, and Goddard are going to be the biggest beneficiaries. You end up seeing sometimes when these backup uh, quarterbacks come in, it's the guys that they're probably practicing with the most that they they have the rapport with, and it looks like Greg Ward might be that guy, um, and and Goddard probably to to a lesser extent. Um, 
So that seems to be the guys that are probably going to be the biggest beneficiaries of it. But the biggest losers, I think, are going to be is going to be Miles Sanders, right? And I do have him on um, in one of my leagues in the championship as well. But um, I mean, it just feels like it's going to be you know, just like Alvin Kamara with uh, with Hill over there in um, in in uh, New Orleans, where uh, Hertz will probably run in some scores and take some away from Kamara, and may not be doing the checkdowns as much, and and so forth. So we'll have to see how that one plays out. But uh, would be a little nervous for for the running back situation there in, in Philadelphia. And then they catch yeah. New Orleans here in their next spot. So that's going to be, that's going to be a eye opener. I think for Jalen hurts a little bit to going against New Orleans. Yeah. What's the over under and passes thrown that game. Is it like nine with, with Hill versus hurts, something like that. Um, we'll see what happens. I, I don't know uh, what it'll be like, but I know that it, it's not exactly the greatest matchup for miles Sanders. Um, and, and with Jalen hurts now taking over is so, so Zach Ertz against the Packers, two catches for 31 yards. Can you play him in week 14 or are you avoiding him? You can play him, yeah. I have Ertz on uh, in a few leagues too. He was probably my biggest disappointment in fantasy this year. I drafted him in the third round a couple places and he's just been, even before the injury, he just, he just got, looks like he just got old, right? And, yeah, he did, yes. <laughs> I don't know what happened on there. I'm going against that New Orleans defense. I believe that in that New Orleans defense right now. So kind of hard to start Ertz. I wish I could, but I can't. I don't know how I can pull that off. You know, it, it's funny about Ertz, and I think I've said this on this podcast and, and the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour as well. Like, it always seemed that Zach Ertz would be downgraded unfairly in drafts. Like, I always got him at a discount. Um, people always believe, you know, everybody believed that year was going to be the Goddard year where Goddard took over for him and, and Ertz kept catching all these passes and getting all these targets and, and turning in high volume into good fantasy production. And I always said, you know, I'm going to keep doing it till it doesn't work anymore. And the last three years I benefited greatly. And this is the year where I invested a lot in Ertz and I'm paying the price and I'm totally cool with that because I got three years of good value on him where everybody else wrote him off. Well, not everybody else, but most people wrote him off and I got, you know, good value on him. And it seems like, yeah, this is the end, especially with contract negotiations. Uh, he's going to be going elsewhere next season and, and probably uh, the, the best years are behind him. No question. As we look at that Philadelphia. And you just uh, know, he's going to end up being on the Patriots next year and he's going to end up being oh, a stud yeah. over for like two years. Right. You, you know, what's so funny is, you know, new England drafted Dalton Keene and who is the other rookie Devin Asiasi. So yep. they drafted both those guys and they, they haven't gotten a lot of playing time. I think one of them's on IR. Like Ertz is the perfect bridge for those guys, right? Where he comes in and Cam Newton targets him like a hundred times during the year. Asiasi and and um, and Keen get it, and then New England releases him after he leads him to a Super Bowl or what have you. And then um, Asiasi and Keen turn it on in in 2022, and then they're the the, the new Gronkowski and and uh, Hernandez. You know what I mean? Like this is this stuff writes itself, really, when you look at it. Um, but you're right. Ertz probably could crush it uh, in New England in 2021 for sure. Um, I want to shift the focus to another AFC team that's that's really been a pretty high-powered offense this year, led by Ryan Tannehill, and that's the uh, Tennessee Titans. Um, some high-stakes owners drafted A.J. Brown early, and they got Corey Davis late. And now you look at what Corey Davis has done. I think I saw the blurb from Roto World today that he is the fifth highest – no, he's the 16th highest – scoring receiver over the last five weeks in fantasy football, something like that, um, way higher than what he was drafted, basically. So if you own A.J. Brown, if you own Corey Davis, you can only play one. Who do you go with? And, yes, I'm framing this question to try to get you to say, start Corey Davis over A.J. Brown this week, but I'll let you answer it however you want. <laughs> all right, all right, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, I, I love how Tennessee is set up to end this season. It was just like last year, right? They got that running game going, opens up the play action passes, and um, Tannehill's got his conf- has the confidence going, and I think he, they're they're set up for another another run like they did last year. So I mean, if you can, I would say even start them both, right? But um, right, I mean, they got Jacksonville, Detroit, and Green Bay over the next three weeks, right? They don't have much of a defense between the three of them, so they're they're pretty well they're pretty well set up. I will go against what you said, and I'd go with A.J. Brown. I mean, he scored in seven of the last nine weeks. He's got, what, 58-plus yards in seven of the nine weeks. He's pretty unique talent. Um, I just I just think – I don't know how you said A.J. Brown, right? I just I, I, I just don't know how you said him. But I'm a big fan of Davis. 
And if you've got him in your lineup and you've got room for him, I would feel very, very comfortable get, having Corey Davis in, in, in the starting lineup in the, in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's the guy to own uh, after his performance last week. I don't know. Ryan Tannehill is targeting him a lot. A.J. Brown had that ankle issue last week. For what it's worth, I own A.J. Brown in probably like five or six leagues. I'm not sitting him in any of those leagues. I own Corey Davis in probably two or three leagues. It's funny because I was in, in dynasty cutdowns um, that, that I had to make in early September in this 2020 season. Corey Davis was always on the bubble for me. Like, ah, what is this guy going to do? Four years, he hasn't done anything. Or three years, he hasn't done anything, whatever it was. What are the chances? Well, I kept him around, and I'm, I'm thankful that I have because he's been great. And I'll probably play him in all my leagues as well. So um, if you can – and I'm with you on this, by the way. If you can only play one, I, I cannot sit A.J. Brown in favor of Corey Davis. And maybe that's the wrong decision. But I'm with you, man. Like you got to play AJ Brown over over Corey Davis. Uh, yeah, how'd you feel about that fumble on the one yard line this week? Oh God! So and you know what? What made it even worse was I was recommending people in 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 my on my shows to play Anthony Ferkser, um this week because when I knew Johnu Smith was going to miss, and um, then who recovers that Brown fumble? Michael Pruitt, who catches <laughs> a touchdown later in the game. Michael Pruitt. So I, I just I just said you know like I think the guy the the player to target on Tennessee. The backup tight end, whoever the backup tight end is, is is going to get some some uh, some fantasy numbers. Pruitt did it, and not and Ferkser was still okay, five for fifty one. You could do a lot worse, but yeah, the fumble for AJ Brown was was really really frustrating. But as you said, that's fantasy. Um, okay, so championship round. You've alluded to some of these players already with their upcoming schedule. Um, who's another sleeper that has three pretty good matchups? three um, uh, uh, matchups that you want to exploit and probably not a lot of players will be deploying this, this specific NFL player in their starting lineups. But you think um, over the championship, the course of the championship round uh, makes a lot of sense to have in your starting lineup. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you two if you'll, if you'll let me here. So go ahead. Um, yeah, please. So, so one, I'll stay with my tight end bias here and uh, throw out Logan Thomas as uh, one of the sleepers. I don't know if he qualifies for a sleeper fully, but, I'll, I'll throw him out there depending on who else you have. But um, he's one of those guys that just looks better and better and better each week. Right? Of course, he was a quarterback in college, so he's still learning the tight end position. And he just looks like he's going to be really good for a really long time. Um, they catch San Francisco, Seattle, and Carolina the next three weeks. Uh, San Fran's been decent against the tight ends, but um, but seemed like they could be beatable along with Seattle and Carolina. So. Um, so I, I really like Logan Thomas in leagues if that's considered a sleeper. And who knows, you might even throw a ball or two to here down the stretch as well. Right, yeah. And, and then the other guy I like, and, and who may not be in a whole lot of lineups, but um, maybe on the borderline of a sleeper is J.K. Dobbins. Um, so, I mean, they've got Cleveland, Jacksonville, and the Giants. So um, Cleveland and the Giants are playing a little bit better now, but I'm pretty confident that that Baltimore running game is better than what any of those defenses can provide. And it seems like Baltimore's figured out that Dobbins is, is, is by far the best running back on the team. It seems obvious to, to me and other people who are watching it. Um, he seems to be finding his ways. Now, he only had about 38% of the touches this week, but he was coming off his COVID week, right? So can't really count that one too much. But he's been, but he's led the running backs in snaps each of the last five weeks and been getting about 60, 60 to 65% of the snaps. Um, from the running backs going forward. So the only thing missing now is the passing game. And he caught a lot of balls in college. So if they can find a way to start using him in that passing game, I think he could really be, really could have a good good run here the next three weeks. We saw flashes of it too um, early in the season. And I know a lot of the high stakes players that I've talked to are just like, oh my God, free J.K. Dobbins already. You know, he's got Gus Edwards, who's just a guy who actually has looked pretty good. And whenever time, whenever um, Baltimore's given him the football, and then Mark Ingram, who uh, I think you and I would agree are his his prime years are behind him, yep. but J.K. Dobbins just on the cusp of of something great. I'll be fascinated, and we're going to talk about this on on all my podcasts going forward until drafting season starts in 2021, where J.K. Dobbins will be selected. I think that is going to be a very fun look at at how high stakes players are valuing him next season, but I'm with you uh, in the championship round. I think Dobbins could, could really cement himself as a huge high riser up draft boards uh, next year 
with these uh, three next weeks uh, in the championship round in the uh, FPC and the FFPC main event. Yeah, you I'll, finished. I'll, put, I'll place my bet on third round on Dobbins at this point. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think third round is pretty solid. And, and there's a lot of moving pieces right now. But, you know, with with what Baltimore has going with with their offense and and, um, you know, knowing what we know right now, I think high third round, uh, maybe mid third round makes a lot of sense for J.K. Dobbins in 2021. I'm sure the FFPC is going to have, um, you know, best ball league starting up in January as we normally do the last few years. I'm sure that's going to happen again. Um, and, and we'll see where players are drafting them. Uh, for sure there. Before we can get there, we have to get through these championship rounds where these half-million-dollar grand prizes are going to be awarded. Um, you finished fifth overall in 2017 in the Football Guys Players Championship. You've been in the championship round several times um, throughout the years, Rick. For somebody who's never been there before that maybe made it for the first time this year, what's the best piece of advice that that you can give them right now on how your strategy has to change over these final or or doesn't have to change? over these final three weeks? Yeah, from my perspective, right, I mean, the whole reason folks join leagues like um, FFPC and the football guys is for the chance to win the $500,000, right? I mean, that's that's the the fun of this whole thing and the, and the draw to, to play in these events. So you really need to go set up your team and, and have the attitude that you're trying to go win the thing, right? Yes, you could probably be conservative and, increase your odds of doubling your money or something like that. But what's the point of that, right? Point right. Is, is, is just to go for it, right? So, and the money is really front loaded as well, right? So if you're not, you really want to kind of get yourself in the top 20, at least in the main event, top 20. Um, otherwise the, the prizes are kind of getting down to the free entries and things, which is still awesome, but um, but certainly you're playing for, for the big money. So that's my that's my advice and just go for it, right? You, if you're in the playoffs, you're, you're, you're probably profitable at this point anyway. So you're just playing with house money. So so see what you can go do. So we certainly definitely want to favor the high ceiling guys over the high floor guys. And you, know, you might miss on one here or there, but that's okay. I like kind of like trying to stack um, quarterbacks and receivers or quarterback and tight ends where you can as well. So kind of going for the big day if you can catch uh, you can catch a day where someone's got three TDs um, to one of your wide receivers and you got the quarterback as well. That can really um, bump you up the up the leaderboard a little bit. And then you also got to remember you're playing against all these teams that have all the same studs as you have and all the other teams do too. So if, if you can, right, if you've got one guy in your team you feel good about that might not be on, you know, a high percentage of the rosters already. You know, it might be a good idea to try to take a flyer on on somebody. You know, don't get crazy here or anything like that. And don't bench, you know, don't bench AJ Brown for for uh, you know Emmanuel Sanders or something like that. But but certainly, if you got a chance to um, put somebody in there that's not on that many other lineups and you hit on that, right? You you really got to sh- you can give yourself a shot. So that's my okay. take. I, and all great advice for sure. I one thing you you said there, and, and I was going to ask you about it, and then you led into it anyway. Um, is stacking. And um, two of the, uh, you know, national contests I, I was in, in, in Kentucky, um, I, I ended up, and I, I didn't plan to do this. It just happened this way. But I drafted Julio Jones early, and then Calvin Ridley fell to me, and I got Ridley. And then I took Matt Ryan, like, a, a round or so, maybe early, maybe a half round early to get the stack going. Um, and then in another contest, um, I drafted Cooper Cup, I drafted Robert Woods, and then I drafted Jared Goff about, again, a round earlier than where he was going to get that stack right there. Um, both those teams are, are in the, you know, the, the playoffs, as it were, and I've been leaning towards, you know, because they weren't my only quarterbacks with Ryan and Goff, I, I've been leaning towards, oh, I'm going to play Ryan here on my Falcons team, I'm going to play Goff here on my Rams team, just to try to, to increase my, you, you know, sort of go Super Saiyan on everybody. And um, in the case that there is a big Rams blow up game, Falcons big blow up game, I'm going to be the beneficiary of it. When you were drafting your teams with Andy or with Jeff or, or anything like that, did you guys kind of fall into that same thing where, hey, we got the top two receivers on this team, or we, we got Thielen and Jefferson, maybe we should grab Cousins here, you know, stuff like that. Did you guys ever do that when when you were drafting? Did that did it ever fall that way for you? And, and to your point, right, it kind of falls that way, right? So I don't know if we ever kind of go in with that strategy, but then you kind of see how the how, how it falls in the draft. And you, like you said, you end up with two players from from the same team because the value was there. And then you're like, okay, that makes 
let's just all go let's go all in on this team here and let's right, go yeah. quarterback for him as well so yeah and one of my um football guy teams that's in the championship bracket as well right I, i've got i'm gonna pretty sure i'm gonna play aaron Rodgers over kyler murray because i've also got jones and tunyon on the team right and kind of like oh yeah having those three going are you worried at all about murray's shoulder i'm very worried about murray's shoulder stop running I mean, Kyler Murray's uh, value is he's the fastest guy in the NFL, right? And uh, when he's back in the pocket, he's he's still good, but he's not he's not top two like he had been all season when he was uh, when he was running all over the field. So they keep saying it's not his shoulder, but it's boy, it's got to be his shoulder, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I'm I don't Kyler Murray like I always wait on quarterbacks, so I, I pretty much did not get Murray on any teams this year. But I look at what what he's been doing the last uh, couple of um, uh, weeks, and when I know his shoulders hurt, it's it's not a good situation. And um, and I think people who are, you know, having Kyler Murray on their teams, they're they're probably going to have to face a pretty serious decision. You know, Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray or Matthew Stafford, you know, Kyler Murray or Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, you know, some of these other guys that we brought up, guys that don't have near the upside of Murray, but clearly have two healthier shoulders than Kyler Murray has right now too. And, and I think, I mean, you obviously have every team is different. You got to know what you're doing, but yeah, I think I'm with you. Like uh, there's, there's some trepidation with starting Kyler Murray right now uh, going forward. Um, Let's touch on this too, with, with the Falcons running game, Todd Gurley, Edo Smith, Brian Hill, nobody really separated themselves this past week. In fact, um, uh, Raheem Morris said that, um, you know, Gurley was not getting touches on purpose. They're really trying to manage, um, his workload going forward. Are all three of those guys basically off limits as long as all three of them are active and healthy? I mean, do you need to wait for an injury or something to happen to play these guys? Yeah, yeah I think so, right? I, I don't have many um, Falcons running backs on my rosters, but I think you got to bench them all, right? I mean, they've got the Chargers, then Tampa Bay, and then Kansas City, right? And can't run the ball against Tampa Bay, and you'll be behind against Kansas City. So it's really, really hard to think about how you would play any of those those guys. And right, and Gurley nursing his arthritic knee. Um, and when, if Ido Smith is your best running back, I, I think you got to set them all. I didn't go in depth on on your teams in the championship rounds in either of these contests, but I am curious. In and again, I just said it. Every team is different. You know what you got to kind of do with roster construction goes. If you have four stud receivers maybe you carry fewer receivers. If you have three stud running backs, maybe you carry uh, fewer running backs uh, into the championship round where waivers are closed. Do you have a preferred roster construction on, on how you like to, to carry these, um, you know, two quarterbacks, two tight ends, two kickers, um, a single defense, double defenses? Rick, what, what do you normally like to do when, when you know you have to hold these players for the remainder of the season? Yeah. And, and then this year, of course, with, with, the, with the with COVID and the pandemic, right? It makes it even harder, right? Because oh, it takes yes. like one one test on Friday night and everything changes for you, right? So right, this is probably the hardest year I think in terms of kind of getting your your lineup set, right? And and, and games could be canceled, right? Before you at least, hey, I can just carry one defense because I know they'll at least be playing, but you don't even know that anymore. You can't right? do that anymore either. That's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> right. So it's it's definitely been a little bit tougher. Um, we. In some cases, I'm only carrying one defense in, into the playoffs. Um, it's not my preference. I like to get at least two. It's hard to kind of have one defense that's got three straight good matches there, so it's kind of good to have have two defenses in there. But but we didn't do that across the board. Uh, but kickers, you got to do it right. You got to have a second kicker on there. You can't um, between injuries and and COVID, you can't risk uh, putting up a zero in your kicker spot during during these playoffs. So we have two kickers across the board. And in some cases, we're even carrying three quarterbacks, too, just because, you know, it's obviously the highest scoring position. And um, and with all the injuries and, and such, right, you just you just never know. And, and so in some cases, we're even carrying a third quarterback. We got two studs. We're not. But um, but in some of the areas where we we went late on quarterbacks, we, we, we picked up a third one. And then the other thing um, is just working you handcuff too to to help yourself. Right. So we. Right. We kind of look at you know my, the question I ask myself is like what's the worst thing that can happen to this team in the three weeks of the playoffs, and then what can I do about it now with my last week of free agency, 
um, to to address that, right? And you know, in that team we talked about earlier, it was like, okay, the worst thing that can happen is Antonio Gibson gets hurt. So what can I do about it? So I picked up Peyton Barber in my last week, which, and then of course. Gibson gets hurt, right? So not that I feel great about Peyton Barber as my solve for Gibson getting hurt, but at least I have somebody I can throw in that lineup if I need to. Yeah, and, and I think that makes uh, all the sense in the world too when when you talk about how to how to form those. It's it's God. I was going. I was so glad week thirteen, like you know, everything closed because I had I have never played. And Rick, this is probably the same case with you. I have never placed so many kicker waiver bids as I did that final week. Cause I was trying to get that second kicker on my team to make sure that I was covered in case, um, you know, COVID or an injury or anything like that. I mean, the last thing I want to do is, is, um, is, is roll in into the, you know, the, the big money weeks with, without a kicker, um, or without a full lineup, I should say, I, I think back to, I can't remember what year it was. This was many years ago. Sean Coots actually won the football guys players championship and he carried, Drew Brees and Eli Manning as his only two quarterbacks. And this is back when Eli Manning hadn't, you know, really done, you know, quote unquote, anything as a pro. And then Brees went down and then he had to rely it back, back then it was Eli Manning was throwing a touchdown and like two or three picks a game, you know, and, and then he had to rely on Eli and he won the whole thing. I mean, he won the six figure grand prize with Eli Manning as his quarterback. And and we talked to, I think we had him on the, on the HSFFR. And I said, how did you feel about, when Breeze went down, you knew your only quarterback was Eli Manning. He's like, I felt terrible, Eric. It was bad. It was really right. bad, you know. And he and he pulled it out. And and there's listen, you can't cover for every possible situation. Uh, all you can do is is the best, uh, uh, you know, use the best information or use the information to make the best possible decision at the time. And I'm going to do that right now to ask you how you feel uh, about this final question. Uh, week 14, a sleeper that needs to be in high stakes lineups for this week. And then a, a guy that a lot of people are probably going to start, but you think is going to uh, be a bust, Rick. Yeah. So, so the guy I really, I really like through um, for week 14. And again, you could probably question whether this is really a sleeper or not, but, but I'm, I'm kind of getting all in on Jonathan Taylor. Um, I know he was yeah. a for a lot of folks and he's, he's kind of um, disappointed everybody. But I really think he could be, could really be, uh, you know, he could be the Tyler Higby of this year. Or at least I'm hoping he could be the Tyler Higby of this year, and just gets really hot, right? So they've got um, they got Vegas this week, and uh, and I think um, I think we can run against Vegas. They got Houston after that, so that's um, you know I know you asked about week 14, but even into week 15, he could be a good start each week. So he keeps looking better each week. He's catching the ball more and more. Um, I'm starting him over Miles Gaskin in one of my my leagues this year, who I like Gaskin as well. I'm starting him over Cote as a flex, another one of my leagues. I will say I'm from Wisconsin, as you know, as you are too, so a little bit biased on Jonathan Taylor, but um, I'm I'm really excited about to see how he finishes up the season. Be- before you give me your bust, real quick, Jonathan Taylor, was it just like just a slow learning curve to the pros? Like, you know, what was the deal? Because when Marlon Mack went down. Everybody was, you know, who had Taylor was, you know, chomping at the bit to get to the championship round. And it, it hasn't happened for whatever reason. Now it seems like it's picking up a little bit. Why? What was the slow learning curve here it, with, with Taylor? What happened? Yeah, great, great question. Um, it, I mean, it seems like it, right? It just seems that he just, the light hasn't just gone, completely gone on. He had a couple couple flashes early and then he just, um, he, he played really poorly for a few games as well. And um, Hines kind of, um, looked like um, he was clearly the better quarterback or uh, running back there. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure exactly if he was banged up at all or if it's just a, a slower learning curve. But, um, yeah, I, I another guy that I mean, you talked about, J.K. Dobbins, and where he's going to go next year. I mean, I think uh, Taylor will go probably even earlier than him next year in 2021. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty excited to see how this finishes up for him. What about your bust for this week? Uh, a, a guy that people will want. I, I know Dalvin Cook's a popular choice with this going up against such a tough rush defense. Um, I don't know if I could sit him. I own him in one league. I can't sit him in that. I just it's it's not in me. I, I can't do it. You cannot, um, but you're, you cannot sit Dalvin Cook. You have to play him, right? You have, <laughs> you to, have play to play him. You have to play Dalvin Cook. Um, yeah, you got to play all your studs, right? I mean, people were talking about sitting Camara with. With a oh. quarterback there too, you got to play Camara, right? Yes, you do. Yes, yeah. I'm a I'm a believer in player studs, right? I mean, you're just gonna outsmart yourself um, down the stretch, even though um, you know who, who knows who knows what's gonna happen with all that. 
Right. Um, maybe maybe some obvious picks here, but um, I mean, for one, you got to you got to sit Kareem Hunt, right? Um, I don't know what happened to him. He looked great and seemed to be gaining so much momentum uh, throughout the season, but he's just been really looked pretty poorly the last three weeks, and now he's running into Baltimore, so that's probably an easy an easy sit. Um, the other one I would say is, I mean, I I, I love the Niners' offense, and I'll be probably uh, investing in them next year, but um, I don't know how you can play many of those guys against the Washington defense, which look which is looking better and better. Ayuk looks good, Debo looks good, Mostert. I don't know why he didn't play more snaps last week, but right, um, yeah. But he's he's overall looked pretty good, and I don't know how you can play any of those guys against um, against Washington this week either. It, I mean, it, it's a lot to think about, and and I, I'm with you. Like, you know, especially when you talk about drafting in, in the FFPC and, and the Football Guys Players Championship, where the competition is so tough, it is so rare to get a monster where you where you actually have to make lineup decisions this late in the year, um, because oftentimes your your lineup sets itself given the the competition you're going against, and um, to think about benching Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. Um, I can't remember which owner told me this, but um, over the years, well, many of them have told me, but think long, think wrong. So if you're thinking that hard about benching a, a first round pick like Cook or Kamara, you probably shouldn't be doing it. And uh, I know I don't I don't have it in me and I won't be doing it. I'll, I'll practice what I preach. Uh, certainly those guys will be in my lineup uh, for sure as, as I try to win. And anytime I'm trying to win in any of my leagues, as far as analysis goes, Rick Raymaker is always in my starting lineup. Rick, this was such a treat talking to you this week. I want to wish you nothing but uh, good luck in both the FPC and the main event going forward. And and hopefully you you and Andy and Jeff and you guys cash some big money this year. And we'll be doing this podcast again in, in 2021 where you tell me how you did it all. So, sounds great. I look forward to that. I look forward to how we're celebrating that uh, half a million dollar win. Oh, listen, we're going to have a party in Wisconsin where we're going to do something, you know, um, we'll, we'll figure something out. But when you when you win a half million, um, uh, I, I will make an appearance and uh, definitely uh, toast a beer to you guys uh, for, for winning it. So I'm rooting for you the rest of the way. Perfect. I'll have a net jet pick you up and fly you out to Vegas for the event. <laughs> All right. I'm in. We're, <laughs> we're in. We're making plans here. Rick, so good to talk to you, dude. We'll talk to you again real soon. Sounds great. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast.